I've been a fan of the system, what these guys have done offensively for, for a while as a player and even as a coach. Huge part of me coming here to just to kind of expand my horizon as a coach, just kind of learn this way of doing football. I've coached in high school. I ran my own business doing private quarterback training. I lived in the guru space with Jordan Palmer and George Whitfield and Quincy Avery. And so I think I have a unique, fresh perspective, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for. This is episode 152 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and we're bringing the heat this week. We figured we'd have to match those record high temps. Jay, I'm not going to lie to you. You move to Minnesota and everyone asks you about how cold it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it hits 100 uh-huh. on the day that you move into a new house, <laughs> and you're like, this is a very cruel joke. The best part for me is that we've been kind of chiding you a little bit, saying, mm-hmm. hey, just wait in the summer. It's going to get hot. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, it's never going to be here. When it was in my car, it said 105 the other day when I was driving. I'm like, yeah, this is oppressively hot. So I, I will say on that day, though, I did go out to the driving range and hit some balls a little bit for there golf. and. It was hot and it was definitely steamy, but it was something that it actually felt kind of good just to kind of be in that warm weather and just kind of keep keep moving. I, I I had cracked a joke to my wife and I said, these are the days when uh, I used to do manual labor jobs that I actually you hated, but you loved at the same time because mm-hmm. you just felt disgusting all day and doing work and stuff. But you come home and you step on the scale and you lose a couple pounds and you're like, <laughs> it's all worth it. It's good for me. So Yeah, no, that didn't happen to us even though we moved. Actually, I can't even find my scale right now. But it, it's so nice. Um, I, I just love being, like feeling it on my skin. I know mm-hmm. it's a really strange thing to say, but there's just something about just being in the sun that I just love. And so for me, I, I loved it. I just thought how ironic that the hottest day of the year is my move out day, you know, well, just it's those, irony. Sorry. It's one of those things too, where uh, when we kind of crack jokes in the winter too, saying, just wait, it'll be about a 130 degree temperature difference yeah. in the summer. You're like, what are you talking about? And this is this is one of those days. You know, I don't envy people that have to move in the middle of the snow. I'd rather definitely do it on a hundred degree temperature. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, we kind of got things going earlier. That's our producer, Jay Nelson. I'm Tatum Everett. We are your host today as we're cooling off inside the TCO radio studio right now. In this week's episode, we're talking training camp. It's almost exactly a month away. We'll go more in depth on the position battles and what our camp expectations are. Plus, we continue our chats with the new coaching staff. Last week's episode, we featured assistant special teams coach Ben Katwika. And this week, we've got assistant quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson, who talks about his relationships with the guys in the room and why he wanted to come coach in Minnesota. It's a great chat. Be sure to tune in in just a second. Before we do that, though, J.I., we were perusing the interwebs, reading all the latest Vikings articles and Earlier this week, ESPN's Kevin Seifert, who is the new but the old at the same time. It always feels weird saying that he's like the new Vikings beat reporter when he's already kind of done it before. Oh, he's been here yeah. for uh, multiple decades at this point, uh, writing for multiple publications. But he was, you know, kind of the the lead NFL writer. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, when there was an opening here, they have kind of assigned him Minnesota again because he knows us so well. And so to have a guy like Kevin Seifert in this market and to pay attention, he's done a ton of stuff with VEN as well over the years. He's great. And so he's always somebody that whenever he writes something that you pay attention to just to see what his yeah. take is on things. You know, I think I'm going to have to start saying he's returning as the Vikings beat reporter. Yep. That's probably what I should say. Not new. He's returning to the Vikings beat. Um, he posted an article with his projected 53-man roster 
which, I mean, I saw him out here during all of the practices. So this is based on solely his observations and how things were ran by Coach O'Connell during minicamp and OTAs. So I thought it'd be a good time to kind of go through position by position, see if we see any wild cards or any names that maybe we're shocked to maybe not see on the 53-man roster. But also, let's talk more about just the battles themselves. Like, if a guy's left off. Who's fighting him for that bubble spot, right? Yeah, I mean, the the hard part with this is you get to this time of year, you haven't even hit training camp yet, you don't know what happens with injuries, you don't know what happens with even outside moves, there's talk of free agents still out there, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on. But when a guy like Seaford kind of puts his list together, you start to kind of pay attention a little bit more to these positions, and it's going to be a talker all through training camp. You know, I went through this, too, ahead of time, obviously, and looked around. And there were some names, I think, that I was like, oh, you know, in my head, I had them. But then you also, that when you actually go through position by position, you start to realize how many people have to you have to say goodbye to at the end of it. Like, it kind of puts it into perspective. Well, that's the hard part, too, when it comes to general managers and coaches having to make those decisions. There's a ton of different things that come in. It's Is it somebody we can put on practice squad? Is it a veteran salary? Is it something mm-hmm. where they're trying to massage the cap? Like there's all of these reasons why they, they, they make some decisions. And, um, you know, sometimes there's veterans who are guys that they want to give a shot just knowing they're not going to make it. And they tend to cut them early to give them that opportunity to j- jump on somewhere else. There's so many different things and so many variables. So all of this is going to change within a month, basically a month and a half. But, um, you know, it's a good list to look through and just kind of see if there's any names here that jump out at you. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to talk about this kind of stuff. And it's fun to talk about the quarterback position. That's the first one we'll get going with. It's pretty It's pretty standard. I think uh, Kevin has Kirk Cousins, Sean Mannion, and Kellen Mond, three QBs on the roster. There's no, there's, there's nothing shocking here. It's the no. three, the three main people that you really think about here at quarterback, mm-hmm. and you know, barring some sort of craziness that's happened in the past during training camp, you know, some sort of a quarterback move that would have to be made. These are the three guys that you just look at and say Cousins, Mannion, and Mond. These are who you expect to be on the roster. Yeah, right now there are four quarterbacks in the roster with Nate Stanley, who's been here before, yep. fighting for for some playing time as well. Moving to running back, Kevin has Dalvin Cook. Alex Madison, Kane Wangwu, CJ Ham, and Ty Chandler, which you gotta think they're gonna give the rookie oh, for sure. a chance to be to be on this list. But I, I mean it's a big running back room though. That's the thing. It's it's five on that list. You know, I think the idea is is Ty Chandler somebody that you could potentially slide through to practice squad. I think he is a prime candidate for people since he was a draft pick for us to want to poach a guy like that or mm-hmm. to reach out to him if he gets cut to say, yo, we want to bring you in and give you a shot with our room. I, I've i seen a bunch of stuff even recently online talking about kind of the most uh, in-depth running back rooms in the league. There's kind of a list of the top eight teams. Mm-hmm. Vikings were hovering in that like three to four range as far as rankings. Um, there is a glut of riches here, and, and, it, and it is exciting to think about you know, Kane as fast as he is, and Ty Chandler now having that speed. CJ Ham, there's a ton of discussion we've even had on this show about what is his role going to be, and is he somebody that could be yeah. kind of a secret weapon? So, all five of these guys make sense, and I think there's some really good talent there in that room. Yeah, Jake Vargas is a guy that I think Minnesota's used to hearing from as well. He's been through camp here before. He's on the roster currently too, fighting for I guess practice squad something like that because um you know. As long as CJ can stay healthy, yeah, and and that's the other thing too is, uh, like I said before, 
barring injuries or something crazy yeah. happening. You know, there's a good list here. And, and Vargas, he's going to get his shot as well. And um, it's just hard when you have a ton of talent in that room just to, you know, eventually someone's going to be the odd man out. If uh, if Jake really wows him here in camp, you know, who knows? Here is where it got a little interesting. Okay. Wide receiver. Yes. We know how talented these guys are. And you got to think Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, locks. But then you've also got B.C. Johnson out there, mm-hmm. who was a stunner during a training camp last year before his injury. Kevin has him making the roster along with Jalen Naylor, the rookie out of Michigan State, and Albert Wilson, the free agent signing that was made, I guess, a month ago or yep. so. Now, that leaves Amir Smith-Marset off of this list, in Kevin's opinion. I'm curious that about that. That shocks me. I, me too, but at the same point, I'm curious if there's something in there where he's kind of thinking about that due to the uh, the injury that he had had here this offseason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's taking that into account, um, Yeah, but that is a surprise just in that he was a guy that people were pointing at to say, you know, what can he do as a returner, uh, whether it's punt or kick returner or something. I think there's a ton of, of options here at the wide receiver spots, and mm-hmm. it just really comes down to – Kevin O'Connell's scheme and what he really wants yeah, to do. Yeah, that's a good point. I think also part of it, uh, I mean, Kevin did mention, Kevin Seifert did mention that he will probably be battle Naylor and Wilson for punt return ability. So if you're a Miramar Smith-Marset, you see you know, Jefferson Thielen Osborne as kind of locks right now. You've got to make it known that you can be on special teams. You're competing against B.C. Johnson, who's had big games before, who's a more of a more seasoned vet. But you can't let a talent like Amir Smith-Marset hit waivers either. Well, and that's the thing is if he does still have an injury designation, there's all these other rules yeah, that apply to that true. kind of stuff too. So mm-hmm. it just depends on how long they're going to expect him to potentially yeah. be out. Um, so a guy like I, I think a guy like Amir Smith Marset, everyone has seen the talent. I think there's going to be a feeling that he's definitely going to get a fair shake. Um, but it just depends on if he can be out there. You know, it's the kind of the Pete Bursich used to always talk about it and say you can't you know make the club in the tub. And it's like you just you have to get out there and and take all this time basically between all of the OTAs and the mini camp and mm-hmm. then with training camp coming. And just doing as much of the rehab as you can. So I'm sure for a guy like him, he's he's itching to get back out there. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's 12 guys competing for, uh, you know, if, if you're going off of Kevin's list, six spots, yeah. right? There's 12 guys. I mean, you're, you're missing out on names like Amir, Blake Prohl, who's coming back from an injury as well, looked great at camp last year until then. Dan Chisena, yeah. who... He's His been, speed is unmatched, and he he's been on on special teams as a you know a gunner, mm-hmm. and he's he's done a ton of work there too. So again, the guy like Dan, you're looking at it saying, you know, where's his role? What's he going to be? Is it are they going to put him out there as a special teamer? You know, what are they going to do? Is he going to make the roster or not? Uh, there's just a lot of questions, like you said. That that room is absolutely loaded with twelve people. Twelve, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, a room that's a bit on the smaller side, tight ends. There are five of them on the roster. Kevin has four of them making the final 53-man list. Don't forget, guys, this is pre-pre-preseason predictions. We've got Irv Smith Jr., Ben Ellison, Johnny Munt, and Nick Muse, which leaves Zach Davidson off of the main 53-man roster, draft picked from two years ago. And then, I mean, he's – I'll say this about Zach. You know, it is a very – 
crowded tight end room, but he is here at the facility all the time working. Like he is here so much. So it should be a really interesting competition. I just remember a guy like Tyler Conklin that this is where yeah, he, this is true. where he shined was everyone kind of had him as kind of an odd man out or just kind of a bit player. And then training camp hit last year, and man, he was making some circus catches. He was one of those guys that was a grinder who was constantly at the facility working really hard. And all I know is within that tight end room, if they've got five and they're potentially on this list keeping four, there's going to be a lot of work that's going to have to happen during training camp. And I think a guy like Muse coming in here and then— Yeah, you got to think he makes it for the— Special teams role more than likely, right? Most likely, um, you know. I think it, it, it's one of those things where they we, we've even had you know uh, Katwika talking about it, saying it doesn't hurt. You know, that's yeah. where these guys really shine, and if they can make the the roster that way and then progress in their their position group, it's going to be a big help. We all assumed that Irv Smith was going to be the guy last year. He got hurt. Tyler jumped in there, and mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of shows you. What if something were to happen again? Knock on wood for Irv, but if something were to happen again, which one of these guys is going to jump up? Don't put that juju I know, out there, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> in an event like that, it just shows you depth-wise, these guys need to step up and, and make a, make their hay. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm most excited to see Irv yeah. just out there and, and to see the difference he can make because, you know, he was, quote-unquote, wide receiver number three last year heading into training camp and watching him and things like that. And that's when a guy like Tyler Conklin and even KJ Osborne really had to step up. And so you see these guys emerge. I just hope he can return to that same spark because he is just fun to watch. I know this Ben Ellefson guy from Minnesota. There you go. He is more of a blocking tight end. So he could be more of that utility player who could do more. Johnny Munt spent time in the Rams uh, with O'Connell last season, so he brings in a, a little bit of knowledge and experience within there. So, yeah, that's a really interesting one. Another one that's going to be fun to watch, the offensive line. Minnesota, everyone loves talking <laughs> about the offensive line. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting, though. You go into this camp and you have to assume four of the five positions are locked in by starters who have experience in those roles together. Barring some sort of a crazy differing of opinions by the offensive line coaching staff and even, you know, O'Connell mm-hmm. himself and whatever they've been discussing. I I think that we all assume at this point, like you said, four of those five positions are set. The fifth position, the guard position is going to be the one that's going to be a huge battle. And with the the changeover of the position group with a bunch of extra new talent that has come in this offseason, I am curious who's going to step in and, and take that role. Yeah, we've got Garrett Bradbury as the center, and then Ezra Cleveland as a guard, Christian Dersaw, tackle. And you've got Brian O'Neill, tackle. So you got your, your bookends there. And it's, so it's really that right guard spot, like you said, that's up for grabs. Jesse Davis is someone who is experienced at that position. He took the first team reps. He switched out a lot with Chris Reed. They do not have Wyatt Davis on this list, the draft pick who we haven't seen much of. But you have to keep in mind that they've got two guys in the draft as well, Ed Ingram, Vidarian Lowe, that are also, they're probably, they just need to earn their spot, need to get that time. They're not going to make um, necessarily let them go to waivers just yet, especially that's how high they picked them. And then you've got a guy like Austin Schlotman who is really versatile and plays multiple positions. So those are the names that we see on this list by Mr. Seifert. And a couple of the names that, you know, the offensive line injuries happen. You're going to have to shuffle things around. 
uh, a lot more than I guess you really expect. So we do see guys like Kyle Hinton, Ole Udo, Wyatt Davis, guys that may not make the 53, but they're not going to be unheard of. You're going to hear from these guys again. Offensive line is also a position where when there are usually cuts that happen in camp from other teams and everything, teams really pay attention to that because the biggest thing, like you mentioned, is just depth at that position. We haven't had a solid depth at that position here, which has caused the angst over the years at this point. Um, and so there has there's been a feeling of we're trying to kind of restock the shelves at this point, and hopefully the right guard gets solidified early. Yeah. And we'll we'll really start to know once those preseason games happen if everything looks kind of clean, but uh, that is that is the sixty four thousand dollar question is what's going to happen at that right guard position. You also have Blake Brandell and Timon Paris as some tackles that are fighting for positions and playing time, roster spots, whatnot. This off season, this training camp. So moving on, let's go to the defensive side of things. We'll kick that one off with the defensive line. The guys looking at the uglies in the middle. No, they're not ugly. I don't mean it. Yeah, we used to our team where we were the Cougars and in college we were the we called ourselves the Fat Cats. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so it was basically yeah, the Fat Cats were the offensive line. All right. Line. Well, the Fat Cats on the defensive line. <laughs> this will be the really this will be the probably the most interesting because maybe we're not used to seeing the numbers that they're normally keeping at each of these positions between defensive line, outside linebacker and inside linebacker. So what they what Kevin has right here is five defensive linemen, Isaiah Otomiwo, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, Armin Watts. It said five, but I'd listed four. It says five on his dock, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, maybe that fifth position is still up for a little bit of debate. Um, I think that those guys bring in so much experience. And then you have Asazi who has the intangibles that are just ready to go from just down the road in Minnesota. And so though he's got the right guys bringing him up, it's going to be exciting to see Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson right there in the middle. And Armin showed a lot of promise last year. I think the discussion with this being a 3-4 centered defense that is where your defensive line group here is a little bit smaller um, because you're basically looking at what's happening on the interior of that defensive line. There's going to be a larger chunk of linebackers here as part of that group, but we've all kind of had that discussion as well in the offseason saying, well, is it going to be a 3-4? Is it going to be 4-3? Coaches have basically said it's going to be whatever the offense. Some they're hybrid, going against. right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. whatever it dictates, we'll put them out there. Luckily, your, your quote-unquote outside linebackers you have some serious uh, athleticism there with guys that are traditionally defensive ends that can also play that linebacker position. So when it comes to the defensive line, Otomiwo, Phillips, Tomlinson, and Watts, all four of those guys, they uh, they're they're going to be exciting to watch with Harrison Phillips being added. Delvin has been a, you know here and and has kind of proven himself and Arben Watts was really coming on yeah. last season so I'm curious to see what he's going to yeah, do. Yeah I think this will be year four for Armin so he's kind of really clicked on last season and, and now now getting another chance uh, it, it's interesting because there are like 11 guys on the defensive line roster right now so like that's where another like the receiver position that's where another chunk of guys you're going to see practice squad or hit the, hit the waiver wire but a couple of names that we're used to seeing around here. Jonathan Bullard was an off-season pickup, so he's going to com- be competing during camp. James Lynch, Ty McGill, and Jalen Twyman, who couldn't yeah. play last season after 
his off-season injury or his off-season incident rather. And and so, you know, it's exciting. I mean, I know he's excited to be back. We've heard him talk and he's like, it's been a rough road here. So it'd be great to see, you know, where he stands in all of this as well. That's a guy who was extremely motivated when he got here, had the incident, couldn't play. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that that guy is not going to give it his all coming up yeah. here in training camp. So I think he's a guy that could raise some eyebrows just given his motivation. The bigger question is, you know, in a Donatel defense, kind of what is his role potentially going to be given the, the list of names that we already had here with the Tomiwo, Phillips, yeah. Tomlinson, and Watts. That's going to be a tough, yeah. tough way to crack that that defensive line group. You but know. you never know. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't put anything past him. He was very motivated when he got here, and I think he's going to utilize that too. That's the thing. He's so nice. That's the thing. I think, you know, a guy like that, if he's putting the time Sets in the and culture. Yep, mm-hmm. putting the time in and putting the effort in, I think he's going to raise some eyebrows. I like that. Well, outside linebacker, we've got, I mean, this list is just ridiculous. I feel like this should be like a list of, here. here is what a freak athlete looks like. And here are the five names. Daniil Hunter, Patrick Jones II, Janarius Robinson, Zadarius Smith, and DJ Wanham. Freaks. That is some long, <laughs> long, speedy out quote unquote outside linebackers right I mean, <laughs> yeah right you know that kind of the joke with Daniel is he's kind of the Greek god well yeah. all of the rest of the four of them on that list are all that similar body type that that prototypical defensive end outside linebacker body type super long super lengthy quick and great hands and I think that is a like you said a little bit it's a, a <laughs> embarrassment of riches it is with that list of people it is and there are you know there are three other names on here competing against them a couple of guys with playing experience but knowing that this group has had a history with injury it's probably great to have this much competition and I'm just really excited to see Guys like Zed- like the effect of Zadarius in a room like that, where you have Janarius Robinson and DJ Wanham, who especially DJ really had glimmers last season or bright spots. If they can like learn from someone who learned from someone, but you know, under him, like he was with Terrell Suggs, he was in a room before he really came on and could be a really nice mentor for those guys. He talked about that role and understanding yeah. what that meant when he got into Baltimore and when he got his shot. And just kind of understanding that, you know, I'm going to learn from a guy like Suggs, who was an all pro, and learn from the best of the best. And when I get my shot, I'm going to take it. On the flip side now, he's the elder statesman in that room with a bunch of younger guys looking at him. The depth part of it, I mean, we can't sugarcoat it. He and Daniil Hunter both were out with injuries for the majority, if not all, of last season. Zadarius came back for that playoff game. Those two guys, you just want to see them stay healthy. But if not, then you have some of these younger guys who are going to be able to step in. And, you know, given the depth that you said, there's even more guys that could potentially play those roles that are going to potentially need to jump in there if something were to happen. But if these five guys can stay healthy during the season, Mm -hmm. watch out. It's an exciting room to read. That list of names is pretty special. The next one is the inside linebackers. We have Brian Asamoah. Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, and Troy Dye. So Kevin has four names on that one. Again, not really knowing too much how things are going to go. This sounds like a solid list. Um, Brian Asamoah, obviously the draft pick from this season. Jordan Hicks, the offseason acquisition from the Cardinals. He brings in a lot of experience. Troy Dye has flashed here and there. I mean, these these guys are good. You know that they're solid. Um 
moving forward, uh, I think I think it's a position that Eric Kendricks is going to have to really step up. I mean, I know Jordan Hicks has the experience, but Eric is is pretty much almost like the quarterback of this defense. So the elder statesman and Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks within this group, they're working with the younger guys of Osamo and Troy Dye. Those guys, to me, the, the Troy Dyes and Brian Osamoas have that similar kind of long, lanky body types. Mm-hmm. That is where I think those guys, you've seen Troy, when he has flashed, it's been in moments, especially on special teams. I'm curious to see what they're going to do here with Brian Osamoa and just kind of how they're going to want to utilize him. And even just to see what Troy does, you know, how he kind of can take a next step here this season because he hasn't necessarily played a ton. He did play in fill-in duty during some of the injuries that were going on uh, in last season but this group of four guys I think there's your your elder statesmen and your younger players and I'm just curious to see with those younger players how much they play how much they would would step up into those roles and you know like these other positions depth wise you know what happens if a Kendricks or a Hicks or somebody goes down which one of those other two guys steps up uh, you know if not some of the other people that are competing for that inside linebacker position and check this out there are a couple of names of younger guys Blake Lynch, who had to step up with all the injuries last season, yep. and Chas Surratt, whose names aren't on Kevin's list, but that doesn't mean that they can't fight for spots or still really be around, because I think both Chaz and Blake were really starting to approach making a difference here. Those two guys are both, like you said, they've, they've had some sort of... Uh, uh, utilization within this defense yeah. in the past. So it's, again, it's not like there's the cupboards bare. I think, you know, he's looking at Asamoah saying they wouldn't draft him if they weren't going to keep him. And then a guy like Troy Dye had filled in, and maybe he's looking at it schematically from a 3-4, kind of that mm-hmm. long, quick linebacker style. Maybe that's where he's he's kind of picking these two guys specifically out of, the, you know, for, yeah. outside of the other two people. But, um, you know, I am curious to see kind of what happens where, especially on the special team side with – I mean, you got to make decisions. Surratt and, yeah. and Lynch, like you know, those are guys that have been utilized that way too in the past. Yeah, a lot of these guys, I feel like that maybe haven't made this preliminary list are guys that we have seen so much from in the special team side of things. So, how much do these younger players show up in training camp to try and take those spots, or how much do these older guys—and by older, I mean like two or three years older—really claim? you know, where they're supposed to be on this roster. It's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a ton of parody going on during training camp. And I think your traditional, you know, well, who's going to make the wide receiver and who's going to make the quarterback? I mean, all of there's usually, there's usually at least probably half a dozen additions on rosters, typically at, at the end of every training camp that are not necessarily eyebrow raising, but they weren't necessarily the front runners. When yeah, that's true. The first list when, when you went into training camp, I think there's everyone assumes a lot of times that some of these veterans and some of these guys that have been around a while are going to have that, you know, guaranteed spot on the roster. And that is just not the case, especially with a new GM and a new head coaching. That, coming that is definitely going to be the curveball, isn't it? What are they going to do with cornerback, Jay? Kevin has six names on here. Andrew Booth Jr., Cameron Dantzler, Caleb Evans, Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan, and Ty Smith. We're not seeing a Harrison Hand, who's a special teams guy. We're not seeing Perry Nickerson, who's battling for the job as well. Uh, Nate Hairston, the offseason free agent acquisition from the Packers. And Chris Boyd, another gunner. 
So who, you know, if, if this is if this is what the roster looks like, who takes these positions? Who takes these spots? So it, it really is going to be like we like I keep just driving this point home. It's going to be very interesting. It's always harder when it is a, a known veteran versus mm-hmm. a rookie and just trying to understand, you know, what is the what have they been doing in the classroom? What have they been doing to impress their coaches to say this guy gets it? We need to have him here. You know, an Andrew Booth Jr., high draft pick, he's going to make that roster. Patrick Peterson, we all assume at this point, being the veteran in that room, he's going to make this roster. Um, you know, Caleb Evans was a draft pick. Cam Dantzler is a guy who got some service the last, you know, last year especially. Uh, a guy like Cam Dantzler is somebody that you assume is going to be part of that group. Um, so Shannon Sullivan, Ty Smith are on this list. I mean, Barring some sort of craziness that happens, you know, there are a bunch of names that are in that yeah. other position room. It's going to be a lot of competition at camp, and so. you really aren't going to know anything. Like, sure, this this was helpful to see who maybe the coaches were thinking are in the lead in these certain spots, but the pads haven't even come on yet. Or who Seifert thinks the coaches are. <laughs> are, are That's also are true, ones. because I think the, the also the hardest part about this is that even when you're the media, you're not sitting at the entire practice. No, or you, you're it, just not. Like they, they, the, the periods that you have are what they want you to see and what they allow you to see, and then you walk away. So, so a lot of times you're not even really seeing what competitions are going on at camp. And that's the thing is that whether it's the camp competition or, you know, is he talking to coaches? Who, who knows who he talked to yeah. and kind of told him kind of what the thoughts are, but. If he's if he's it's his job as a reporter who covers the Vikings to know and to put out something like this, you know, speculative a month before camp when people and here we are, we're talking about it. Yes, it's something that um, I think with his list there, you kind of understand the logic, but there's always some wild cards. I like the thought provocation. Keep it coming, Kevin. Uh, One of the last positions we'll talk about is safety. He has Cam Bynum, Lewis Seen, Harrison Smith, and Josh Metellus. I mean, you can't see those first three guys, Cam, Lewis, or Harrison, really going anywhere. Yeah, those those first three guys are definitely someone that you you see it makes total sense. Josh Metellus is a name that's been thrown out there a ton, um, and all four of those guys make sense at this point. And, you know, here's the thing. Everyone kind of assumes Harrison Smith is going to be out there for sure. What is Lewisine going to be being the number one draft pick? How quickly is he picking it up? How quickly are they going to trust him to be out there? Because if he is, the old guy and the new guy are going to be out there Mm -hmm. patrolling that safety position and look out. Two-man wrecking crew. The Bash brothers, you know, to go back to the old (laughs) Oakland Athletics with McGuire and and Conseco. Yeah. You know, Harrison Smith and Lewisine, it's like, just keep him on the field. No no fines, no no penalties. Mm -hmm. But it will be fun to see... Two guys like that that you could trust that you know are going to bring bring the lumber when they get the chance allows for a guy like a Harrison Smith or even a Lewis scene to kind of go rover mm-hmm. and let the other guy be able to you know cover the back end of the defense. But the excitement of what potentially Lewis scene could be and what he could mean playing alongside Harrison Smith, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So much fun. Josh Metellus is someone who has been uh, a big part of the team over the last couple of seasons. He also would be competing against Miles Dorn, who's someone that I think we're familiar hearing. Um, someone who this coaching staff wants to see more from take the next step. And so, yeah, I think as much as you love the Cam Bynums of the world who really had a great, who, who stepped up in big moments last year when Harrison Smith was out, 
you hope he can take a step up and then Miles and Josh kind of square off on that last spot. You hope so. That's the goal. You know, you've got some veterans. I mean, we talk about Lewis and Harrison, but Cam Cam can have a big year. Exactly. And that's the thing. I don't think Cam's going to just willingly give up that, no. that position. You know, Cam's going to fight, too, to prove there's a reason why I'm here. Um, you know, a guy like Josh, I, I, he's another name that he's when he's filled in in spot duty and other positions when it comes to special teams and things like he's he's flashed, too. So. That is a good group. That's a good, 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 group. good quad, and and hopefully they can stay healthy. Super Bowl team, Jay. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Everybody at this point, all thirty-two teams say, why not? Why not? Yeah. Well, just rounding things out. Um, Kevin has the same specialists from last season: Andrew DePaula as the long snapper, Jordan Berry punter, Greg Joseph as the kicker. There's only one other punter on the roster right now. They could add some guys during camp. There could be other workouts who knows um but no greg became so reliable down the stretch and i think that they like what they see and um you know those those guys have a great relationship with each other as well uh but you know you never know what'll happen at training camp the feeling in that position or that group of specialists is consistency if you can have consistency and they can feel a camaraderie and feel comfortable with each other have everything be kind of second nature, you know, that is a good thing to have. And if they can just continue to build on what they what they were doing last year, I think it'll be good to yeah. have that group solidified and not have to ask a lot of questions going into the, the season. I agree. I agree. Consistency isn't always a bad thing. Especially in special teams. <laughs> hit some punts, flip the field, there you hit go. some kicks, win some games, and go home. Well, great job, Kevin. That was a really fun article. Thanks, you know, for putting that together. Um, it's always crazy to me to think that most of those guys that we mentioned like won't be around really that's the thing that's Just, kevin's ugh. that's kevin's speculation that's the hardest part is yes when oh, you of course when you have 90 you know 90 people around the building and you see how much they work so how hard they work rookie rookie camps that's why um, it's hard on our end why right well that's the thing it's it's the <laughs> it, the hardest part is when you have camaraderie with these guys when you know them as people you realize very quickly how much of a business this is when it comes to those moments. So hopefully we can keep as many around as we can because it seems like there's a really good group of guys in this building. Look, and and these are the tough decisions. We've kind of been in this honeymoon period where everything is great. Look at this new coach. Look at this new GM. Look at all these new guys we're adding. And now it's time to get to the nitty-gritty, right? Like the honeymoon period is going to start to wear off. You're going to start going into training camp. Cuts are made. The season starts. Hopefully there's wins. Like those kinds of things. And then it kind of starts to feel less honeymoon and more like the real world. You start to really notice (laughs) it when it comes to preseason games. Yeah. And when you start to see those initial cuts and then you see the final cuts, that that is where the rubber meets the road. These guys have about a two-month, two-and-a-half-month chunk of time to really impress these coaches and show that they belong here. And I think for all of them, this time of year – they're saying, hey, great, I get my time off, quote unquote, but I still need to take care of my diet, exercise, yeah. do all of the things to get ready so that when I do walk in the door, there is no time to kind of catch up. You have to be able to go immediately. Otherwise, you're potentially sitting on the outside looking in. That's right. They are off right now. Still staying healthy, like you said, Jay, but the players do have some time off right now. 
and enjoying his first offseason with the Vikings is assistant quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson. He has such a unique background. He's played at the highest level. He's coached on the private level, fundamental skills, quarterback coaching. And now he's here in Minnesota coaching our quarterbacks. He's an NFL assistant quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson. Let's bring him in to get to know him a little bit better. And joining us now on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, first time that we've really heard from you is Gerard Johnson, our assistant quarterbacks coach here for the Vikings. Welcome to Minnesota. How has it been treating you so far? Oh, well, yeah. Thank you all for having me. Uh, Minnesota's been great. You know, I uh, got in, I guess, when it was pretty cold, but now I'm seeing the weather kind of warm up a little bit. But I really enjoyed the city and uh, kind of enjoyed what we got going on here. And it's uh, been been all good for me. It's got to help having your brother here too, right? Your older brother, uh, Marquise Johnson, assistant strength coach here. It does. It really does. You know, one from just to lay the land, but two just to see him every day getting to work. You know, we, uh, you know, our dad was a football coach growing up, and so we spent a lot of time talking about what we want to do when we get older. And so for that dream to come to fruition, both know we want to coach, and that's been pretty cool. I guess your mom says she wasn't coming up here regardless of if y'all both got a job here or not because she's from Houston and she's like she doesn't want to get cold. Yeah, she you know she she's kind of so-so about the snow, you okay. know, we're trying to convince her. I think I'm I'm close. I'm going to spend the whole summer trying to convince her to come up here, but uh <laughs> But uh, she's got some fears about the snow, but it ain't that bad. It's a great place. So like it. my family's in Louisiana. They had the same thing. They came up here in December and they, you know, they braved it, I guess yeah. you could say. No doubt. We'll get her jacket. She'll be good. That's yeah, all she'll that be matters. Good. That's all you need, right? A good jacket. You got yours yet? <laughs> I got a couple. Yeah. So okay. That's good. I got a couple. Yeah. Man, this this quarterback room, you got a quarterback room that is very experienced, but then you got Kellen Mond and then you got Sean Mayen. Just the dynamic of having this room, like describe that it's been really good you know uh all those guys have played a lot of football you know and that's the thing even kellen had so many college stars that he's played a lot of football so as a staff coming in but bring in a new offense you know it's been really good to be around guys who pick things up fast to who study they take notes they work well together you know so from a from a standpoint of understanding what we're trying to get done, the, the the direction we're trying to take the offense, those guys done a really good job this spring leading it. You know, I think uh, Kevin set up our, you know, a lot of our practice where we're going two fields to where everybody's getting reps. And I'm on the second field with some of the younger guys or Kellen and Sean. And, man, I tell you what, those guys have, have really taken an ownership of the offense. And you can't do a lot of those things unless the quarterback position is kind of on point. And so those guys are taking a leadership role and teaching the offense to the younger guys. And that's, I mean, it, it's gone great. What is what has it been like to be reunited with Kellen? I know Texas A and M ties broke a couple of your records, and so being able to kind of to come here and, and be a part of his career right now. Uh, it's been awesome. You know, uh, of course, I love Texas A&M. My dad played football there. I, I I played there, you know, and have a lot of love for university. And so I didn't really know Kellen that well. We had met a couple times through mm -hmm. alumni events, but I didn't know him personally that well. I had a lot of respect for who he is as a person, you know, what he's done there, his career there. And so I've been excited to work with him. And, I mean, he's got a lot of talent. He's really smart. Um, I think could can be a really good player. And so it's been fun to work with him. But knowing those th that common bond and having some things to kind of – a foundation to build from has mm -hmm. been pretty cool uh, working with them. How would they describe you as a coach? Uh, I guess they'd say I'm, I'm, I try to just put it in terms like from a, being a former player, I try to put it in terms and try to always, as I talk to them, as I direct to them, I try to think how would I want to be spoken to. And so uh, I think uh, in our room, no, Chris, so here, our quarterback coach done a great job setting everything up. He does, he's, he's on point. He's very organized. You know, our, our meetings have been great, you know, and I just try to find my niche on like, what can I do to kind of add value to the room? And so uh, I guess they say I'm detailed. I guess they say I'm uh, pretty meticulous about the mechanics and fundamentals of the position. And that's kind of been my focus uh, with the things we've been doing. But uh, yeah, I guess I say that. 
How would you say your coaching style complements alongside Chris O'Hara's coaching style? Um, I think um, I think what, like I think the biggest thing is so Chris came from LA, you know, and he really knows what what Kevin wants. I think that's the big thing as to have an offensive head coach. Um, with making sure we can echo what he wants done. And it starts in the quarterback room. I think Chris does a really good job of that and their relationship. And so for me, I'm, I was in Indianapolis the last three years. And so for me, I'm learning the system slightly before the players did. So I've just been sitting back and, and kind of let, you know, letting Chris take charge and run the room and just kind of really learn the way that, that they want to do things and then take that and, and give it to the players. And so if, as somebody who's my first year in the system, um, which I think is a great system, a really unique cutting on the cutting edge side of, mm-hmm. of, of the game. Uh, I think my role has really been trying to really focus on those fundamental things, the physical aspect of playing the position, your footwork, your mechanics, your balance, your base, those things that go beyond scheme. Um, and I think it's a really good mesh between the two for, for Chris to kind of know exactly what the system needs to have success and then me to kind of be from a my background in the kind of quarterback mechanic space to really kind of help the guys physically. Was that part of the appeal to this playbook, the working with this this next NFL type of style, is that was that part of the appeal of coming here? Absolutely. You know, I've been a I've been a fan of the system what these guys have done offensively for for a while as a player and even as a coach. When I was in Indianapolis, just watching this this system and the success it's had, I've been very curious about how it runs, the ins and outs of it. And so, an opportunity to learn from Kevin and Chris and all the guys you know who've been in this system and had a lot of success. To me, that was a huge huge part of me coming here to just to kind of expand my horizon as a coach, just kind of learn mm-hmm. the. the uh, this way of doing football. We talked to Coach Ben, assistant special teams coach, and he basically said, you know, you have to unlearn some things to relearn things. As a coach, how was that process for you trying to teach these guys to learn things, but still trying to learn it yourself? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it can be challenging at times, but I think that's that's the beauty of this game. I think there's a there's a shared respect in the NFL for every, every team is showing up every day with their own unique ideas and their view of football, you know. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, I think a lot of the terms and concepts and schemes are relative. It's just minor details that change or what you call things is the biggest difference. So, um, so yeah, it, it can be a little tough to unlearn something because you were set in your ways and, you know, come from Indianapolis, I was setting how we did things there, but to hear the the differences and, and why things are done. And, and, uh, I've said, I've learned a lot. It's been very positive for me to be like, wow, I've, I've watched that play and we've put that in from watching y'all last week, like, you know, last year and we were not putting in correctly or, you know, there's a, a detail we left out or, or whatnot. So I think that's the beauty of the NFL is because I think a lot of the plays are similar, but there's little details and, and just small things and adjustments that, that can make a play completely different. And so as a coach, it's an opportunity to expand your knowledge base, you know, and so you got to study and learn and, and uh, you know, to find those, make sure you know it well enough to teach the players. And uh, But at the end of the day, I think it makes you grow as a young coach. It makes you grow. Yeah. And uh, I've been excited about the opportunity. How would you say you've grown as a coach? I mean, 49ers at 17, as a Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship, uh, Indianapolis coach 19, 20, well, the last three years in Indianapolis. So just from all those years up until now, it's finally being, you know, having that role of like, okay, I got a room now. How, is, how, how have you developed? Uh, I, th- I think it's all helped in my development, you know, and, and for me, I think I have a very unique perspective on coaching and coaching in the NFL. I've coached in high school. I ran my own business doing private quarterback training. I lived in the guru space with Jordan Palmer and George Whitfield and Quincy Avery and that kind of world and the private side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming in my internship with the 49ers in the last three years with the Colts learning that scheme and, and football and, and what it takes to break down tape and the hours you spend. So I think I have a unique, fresh perspective mm-hmm. on playing the position, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, so I'm thankful for St. Thomas High School where I coached. I'm thankful uh, to work with those kids because working with younger kids to me makes you learn how to 
put complicated things in very simple terms. Mm -hmm. And I think that even though they're professional athletes, you still need to find ways to make it as simple as possible so they can be the best version of themselves. And so for me, I'm thankful for every step in my journey to get here, the, the playing up and downs, uh, all the different levels I've coached on, but it's all kind of led me to, to become the coach that I am. And I'm, I'm steady growing and I'm, you know, very happy to be here and excited to learn from everybody here. Kirk has talked a lot about learning the system, using flashcards, having to like remember everything. What excites you about putting him into this system? He's a natural thrower of the football, you know, and so Kirk's done a really good job learning the system. And I think as coaches first, we're teachers first. So how can we find ways to get him to play fast? Putting him in a situation where he can just react, mm -hmm. you know, just see it. If he sees something, good chance he's going to hit it because he has, if he's, his, the, the best thing he does to be accurate with the football, you know? So I think for us, we're excited to see him in the system, but but uh, he's learned a lot and he's he's worked really hard at it. And, you know, you kind of take it for granted sometimes with veterans, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, it's a new system for him as well. But he's he's taken it. He's done great with it. And, uh, you know, you can definitely see him playing fast and, and well this spring. Are you guys in the same draft class? We might have been. You I and Kirk? So you were? I was 2010 draft class, I believe. And Kirk was what? I just was thinking 2011? about 2011. I think he's one year yeah, off. One yes. year, okay. So me and Kurt have We're at the same age, but I was yeah. We, yeah. we so we we have crossed paths. You know, me and Kurt were both counselors at an elite eleven camp. We're in college at one point, and that's the first time we met. <laughs> so we weren't complete strangers when we saw him again. Cool. So. so whenever I'm in the building, like on Saturdays and Sundays, um, you probably already know this, but I I usually try to get my work done before people come in. And one person that I always see, at least the last three times I've been here, is Kellen Mond. He's been in the meeting rooms, whether he's watching film or just like literally in the hallways, just like going three step drops. Like you, you see a progression from year one to year two, being able to coach him now as his coach, but also seeing how he's grown. Is that encouraging for 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 a guy in his position where he knows he's not going to be the starting quarterback? Oh, I mean, it is encouraging, you know, because I think Kellen and I think what any player wants is to try to be the best version of themselves. And so you can see Kellen's uh, work ethic in that, you know, he, he takes really good notes you know he, he's really organized he's detailed he asks good questions you know he asks challenging questions and so you can just see that Kellen wants to be great you know he, he understands that you know all you can do in this league especially if, if you're a backup quarterback or you know or you're competing to become a starting quarterback yeah. at some point in your career is make sure you're ready when your time comes and so all you can do is study and try to get time after and try to get those mental reps so that when you do get those opportunities you can make the most of it and so uh, for me I have a lot of respect for how Kellen's handled himself and uh, he's coming in every single day and try to put his best foot forward. Did you know that this guy has a cover on Spotify? <laughs> no, but I, I did know that he played basketball at Texas A&M. Yes. But you got a cover on Spotify? Yeah. Don't, wait, before you say anything, Gabe, guess the song. Because I want him to see if he can guess. He can't guess the song. Can I, I don't think I'm going to be able to guess it, but Steve Donatel guess. was saying, get him to sing No Diggity. <laughs> but it's no, a hobby. it's it's a hobby yeah so in college you know uh, I, I wrote some music and uh okay. you know i recorded a couple things and so it's been it's been a hobby of mine and and uh it's something fun to do to get your mind off football i so. get it thomas rett wow yeah die a happy man die a happy man it's a good song good it's a great word. song right <laughs> we yes. won't get you to sing but like man like that's crazy because your brother marquise he was the last person i think would sing but like you was like he may not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my brother, man. But nah, sing is not his deal. No, nah, I don't know. Just growing up, it was something I would mimic songs and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I, I 
I, I liked a bunch of things growing up. You know, music has been a huge part of my life. It puts you in, to me, music's, music is associated with memories, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, for me, I, I love music. And it, when I hear songs, it puts me back into a place in time or makes me think. And so I think it's a, a pretty good thing, to, a hobby to have outside of ball, for sure. What's your instrument, man? Why do you, why do you use your instrument to help others? As far as? Coaching. I feel uh, like coaching is an is an instrument. Your voice is an instrument. Yeah, like, absolutely. I I think for me, my 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 kind of focus or goal as a coach is to make sure that I can give someone information to help them, um, you know, get to where they want to be. You know, I'm I'm a direct result of the people who gave me information to help me, and so I just want to pass that back. You know, and so I knew I knew all growing up that I'm a product of my environment. I grew up in Humble, Texas, and from the high school coaches and teachers and my dad and going to Texas A&M and the counselors and everybody there, you know, all those people pour into you, you know, and so when you have all this information and these experiences, whether they're good or bad, I think that, you know, you get into coaching to try to share those with someone else so that their experience or their their trials and tribulations can, hopefully you can give them some information to make their life a little bit easier and they can, you know, get to whatever they're trying to get to. That's awesome, man. Whenever I hear of like, I just respect the music industry. So whenever I hear of singers, singers or like artists, the first thing I think of is that they're a great listener because you have to be listening. You have to listen to yourself. You have to listen to your surroundings. You have to you have to just be aware of everything that's going on. And I just feel like that just makes a a, a, a easy transition into coaching because I feel like it's a lot of listening involved. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, for me, when musically, you know, I, I I'm attached to words, so I like storytelling and, and and words. So you know, that's what I hear when I hear songs, and so. Uh, yeah, I guess that all does tie in. I can see that. Well, you know, being from Houston, I can see a country song being your Spotify choice, I guess. You know, yeah, there's a little know. bit of a you Western. Got, you got Bum B down there, too. Yeah, I, I, oh, mean, like, I, I like a little bit of a lot. Like you know, it's, uh, I like a little bit of a lot. So it's, it's good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Coach Johnson, Gerard Johnson, joining us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Looking forward to the season. Awesome. Thank you all for having me, man. Again, a big thank you to Coach Gerard Johnson for taking the time to join us. For the podcast, we will continue this series with the coaching staff and support staff next week. Until then, if you want to keep getting to know the coaches better, check out Vikings.com for Gabe's interview with wide receivers coach Keenan McCardell. Lots of interesting perspectives there because he's one of the few, one of two, really, that were retained from the previous coaching staff and someone that the players themselves really fought for to stay in his in his spot. So I think I think that's the, probably the biggest takeaway for me from all that. I think the great part about it is you understand from a guy like that, you had talked before, just the breadth of everything that he's seen and done mm -hmm. as a quarterback and a quarterback coach. He's seen it from tons of different angles, and that's something that this coaching staff has seemed to really push was to say we want guys with different experiences. This is a guy who has seen it from all different angles, and I'm really curious to see what kind of adjustments or things that we see within that group, especially with Kirk um, working with a guy like Gerard, and just to see if anything is noticeably different this year. Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest appeal to me is that he – brings that fundamental side of coaching. Like these guys usually have their guy, right, outside of the coaching staff that they work with in the offseason. But now they have a guy that used to be that guy in the room with them every week. I think that's pretty interesting. That'll be super helpful. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been a really fun episode, episode 152. Thank you so much for listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe so that we can see how much you love us. No, I'm just kidding. Just don't be mean. We're needy. Right? <laughs> We're needy. We need some love here. We do. We do. No, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. We will have episodes continuing all the way through training camp. Like we said, we'll have more interviews with the coaching staff 
coming very, very soon. Until then, enjoy your summer. Ooh.